a lot of people have peak experiences in ways that were maybe not even intended or were intended, depending on the situation. And something becomes aware of, something be is illuminated, so a deeper truth, a deeper understanding. Mm -hmm. And then the daily life and the routines and the habits and the values that the identity is still hooked into has this challenge of how do I integrate this, what I now understand to be true into what I don't maybe now resonate with or, 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 or some parts I do, but I don't know how this all comes together because it doesn't really make sense to the character script that we're playing, you know, in this play of life. It, it contradicts that, you see. And because of that, it can be so stark. It can be such a jolt that it just gets rejected and forgotten almost like a dream and then goes back into the, the old way, the old habit, the whole routine and doesn't really take up to bring the, the, the peace that it was intended for. I get very passionate about having that understanding and really being called on that. You know, what does it really look like in a practical way to integrate these things? Welcome to Masculine Mastery, a show dedicated to helping men open their hearts, rise into their greatness, and liberate their most alive, awakened, and authentic selves. My name is Christopher August, and I invite you to join me each week alongside some of today's most respected thought leaders, where we'll be diving deep into a wide range of topics to support the evolution of masculinity and the consciousness of this planet. What's up, everybody? I'm back for another episode of Masculine Mastery. Today, we're dropping in with... Chris Knight. If you don't know Chris Knight, you will know him after this episode. He is an incredible man doing some really, really groundbreaking things within the realms of, for lack of better terms, personal growth, self-help. He is and has created an incredible system to help reveal our true selves, our true nature. And it's called self-intelligence, which he's going to describe today on the podcast. And we're going to dive into many different things. The main topic being integration. Now, you hear this a lot, the word integration. What does it actually mean? How do you actually integrate these experiences that you might be having in your life? Perhaps you've embarked on a plant medicine journey. Perhaps you've been practicing transformational tools like breath work. Perhaps you've been attending men's circles and men's retreats, and you've had all of these incredible experiences that have brought up a lot within you, but you're not sure how to apply that to your daily life. You're not sure how to take all of the wisdom, all of the information, all of the knowledge that you've received and apply it to your relationships, to your work, to your health, to all aspects of your life. 
And so this episode is going to help you to do that. Chris is going to really break down how to peel back the layers and ask the right questions to yourself so that you can find clarity, that you can step into a greater version of yourself. So I'm really looking forward to this. A few things to mention before we jump in. Number one, we've recently kicked off our legendary leadership 12-week men's immersion and retreat. It's been so incredibly powerful so far. It's just been a game changer for all the men in the group. And there's going to be a lot more transformations happening over the coming weeks. We're only in just you know week two right now. And we end things with a retreat here in San Miguel de Allende, Mexico, where I live. And the great thing is we are going to be kicking off our second round of this program in October. So in mid-October, we're going to be doing round two of Legendary Leadership. And right now we have a wait list up. So if you go over to MasculineMastery.co slash Legendary Leadership, you can click there and sign in with your name and email and you'll get a notification when applications open up. And I can promise you this is a game changer. This program is really, really powerful for any man that is wanting to better lead himself, his family, his community, and the world at large and use his gifts, his authentic voice to step into a place of purpose, into a place in which he is living to his fullest potential. So go on and check it out, masculinemastery.co slash leadership. You can find out all the information there. And lastly, if you like the podcast, if you like what we're doing here, then give us a rating. Spotify, Apple, follow us, like us, review us. It really helps to boost the algorithm and get this these conversations out to more people. So with that being said, I am ready to dive in with Chris Knight, and we'll see you guys on the other side. Peace. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Masculine Mastery Podcast, and today is a wonderful day for many reasons, and one of those reasons is I have um, a friend, somebody that I deeply trust uh, as what do you go by? A therapist? Is that is that the best title for you, Chris? <laughs> okay, we'll keep it there then. So anyways, I have Chris Knight on, on the show with me today. And, you know, I've been familiar with obviously your work for a few years now and sort of the evolution of your work and, and how things have transpired on your own personal journey as well as your professional journey. And yeah, I feel like today's conversation is going to be really, really pertinent to a lot of the people listening in the sense that we're going to be really diving into this topic around integration and the importance of it. And there's really no better person I can think of to, to speak on this, considering the work that you do with integration and people having sort of these peak experiences in life and then really not knowing 
what to do with all of the sensory information they receive from these experiences and how to really apply what they learn into their lives. And of course, we'll go beyond that as well. But before we get into all of that, um, yeah, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, you know, your, your journey, where you've been, where you are now, um, some of the key components and things you're teaching on and just really setting the stage for today's conversation. Yeah, I feel this. I'm so chuffed to have this conversation around integration. As you said, it's it's very close to my heart and I'm very grounded and practical about my approach. And I feel, I feel integration very much aligns with those values. Uh, a little bit about my history. Uh, I, I started in um, a very fundamentalist, belief system uh, that I was born into being uh, Pentecostal Christianity and it was yeah something that spread across my entire family and it was such a gift because I got to discover what a belief system actually was and be so immersed in in that um, as though it was a fact right? As though it was a fact, this is the point. And there were times throughout my teenage years that this fact started to not make sense to what was going on inside me and what I was feeling and what I was intuiting and what my heart was saying and this type of thing. So through many different uh, explorations and experiences and peak experiences and different things, I eventually um, came out of that uh, belief system. And at that time, I started then to be able to see that everyone on this planet in their own minds, just within themselves, is in their own belief system. Their own cult, if you like, is just in your own mind uh, from whatever conditioning it is from Western culture, Eastern culture, whatever you want to take, whatever you were told at school, everything has been uh, these ideas and projections of the, of the human experience then turn into a fact that we take on to be as real and then, you know, run with it to kind of direct our lives and that type of thing. So I started seeing this everywhere and <laughs> relationships was a massive part of developing this as well. So every single one of us is, is born into the belief system of relationships. You know, what, what does it, what is a relationship? What does it mean to be in a relationship? What is it? Uh, what, what, what makes it natural? Well, all of the things there are housed in beliefs, you see. And I experienced, uh, fortunately, um, but also tragically for my young little, my young self at 15 years old, I fell deeply, deeply in love with someone uh, in, a, in a sort of like a Romeo and Juliet kind of um, archetypal way and it ended and I couldn't find myself after that. I was, I was completely lost, shattered in grief and no distraction, no addiction, no anything could replace the the gap that I had within myself. So with that and the, the shift that happened with the whole religious side of things, I then just was on this pursuit to, to dis- 
self-discovery, even though I didn't really think of it that way at the time. I was just trying not to have a mental breakdown. <laughs> Basically, I was just trying not to, you know, come out of the depression I was in, the trauma I was in and, and all these different things. Um, and with all of that was a whole bunch of symptomatic processes going on. So uh, physical illness and um, uh, lower back pain that was undiagnosable and untreatable and it went on for years and years, very debilitating, uh, as well as other things like depression and this. And so I was in a, I was spiraling basically there for a while in my early 20s and it got me on this track of coming to the place where I'm stable within myself and where that happiness, where joy, where inspiration, where spontaneity, where I feel at home on this planet was a natural manifestation, not something that was based in a belief system, not something that could be taken away by circumstance, like a relationship ending. Of course, that's going to come with grief and all those things naturally, but not to the place where it's like, I don't know who I am, like a, a soul destroying kind of thing. So I was initiated into these, uh, into this understanding in indirect ways. You know, there was not, not a, like a direct initiatory path, like we learn about uh, that ancient cultures may have cultivated and and so on to come from childhood to teenage to adult and all that kind of thing. It was all very indirect, um, and and in that uh, searching and looking for answers and you know, the deep dive into self, I experienced many peak experiences along the way, you see. And in fact, my first peak experience, which is quite bizarre, but not <laughs> at the same time, was in church. So my church was a, this Pentecostal kind of church was a very um, allowing of peak experiences. So they would call it uh, the Holy Spirit, that was their word and thought process and perception they put to this, right? And so there was like this space provided where everyone was able to kind of let stuff out, right? As long as it was, you know, in the name of God or whatever the case, it was okay, you see. And people would be on the ground having laughing fits, very cathartic, um, crying and tremoring and doing all these types of things. And I was literally, I was 11 years old and I had guilt purge out of my body for four hours straight from six o'clock to 10 o'clock at night. And I was left alone just to, just to unwind this guilt out of my, out of my system while I was at church. So they allowed this. And that was a peak experience in, in the sense that it took me out of my personal sense of self at that time. There wasn't a there wasn't me. There was there was just this energy moving and shifting out all this junk that was inhibiting my natural expression, was cleaning my heart out. You know, there was my heart was so open, and and then going on from there, um, plant medicine and meditation retreats um, and emotional release, body work, and I could go on and on and on. We may go into some of those, but um, those experiences were all pointing to the same place for me, whether it was here, there, or wherever the case. 
it was all bringing me back home to the to the truth of who I am. Different flavor though, different flavor, different kind of way to do the same process, but that's essentially what was happening. And so what I noticed is those experiences were there to like they're like a grace moment and like a an opening the door. And then the work, the inner work, the the daily awareness was then the stepping through. And that's what I would call now to be the integration. Yeah. So to round it a little bit off there in that way, uh, I, I was, uh, yeah, very, very keen to um, have this conversation because a lot of people have peak experiences in ways that were maybe not even intended or were intended, depending on the situation. And something becomes aware of, something be- is illuminated, so a deeper truth, a deeper understanding. And then the daily life, and the routines and the habits and the values that the identity is still hooked into has this challenge of how do I integrate this, what I now understand to be true into what I don't maybe now resonate with or or, or some parts I do, but I don't know how this all comes together because it doesn't really make sense to the character script that we're playing, you know, in this play of life. It, it contradicts that, you see. And because of that, it can be so stark. It can be such a jolt that it just gets rejected and forgotten almost like a dream and then goes back into the the old way, the old habit, the whole routine and doesn't really take up to bring the 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 peace that it was intended for. So I'm I'm very uh, I get very passionate about having that understanding and really being called on that. You know what does it really look like in a practical way to integrate these things? So yeah, beautiful. And you know, I appreciate you sharing a little bit of your background as well and some of the experiences that you've had. And, you know, I've seen the videos of the Pentecostal church. It's quite, (laughs) uh, quite intense. And, you know, it's very, uh, you know, in a way though, it's like some of the things that I've seen, it's like these deep somatic experiences of like, whoa, like people are really moving energy and whether it's under some belief system or religion or whatever, they're moving some energy. There's no line of some of these, some of these things happening within this sort of ecosystem of this church, but yeah. um, Yeah. Beautiful to just receive a little bit about your story and, and all of that. And, And before we actually dive even deeper into the core topic of integration today, I feel it's very necessary and important to set up just one more thing in context to this conversation. Mm. And that's all around self-intelligence. So I just want you to speak a little bit about that sort of, I know you can, we can have a whole conversation on self-intelligence itself, but just the sort of like key components of what you mean by self-intelligence. And that's sort of like the core of your teachings and, and, and what you do to guide people to that intelligence within. So if you just want to describe that a little bit, I think is really important. Yeah, it is. It is the self-intelligence. We, 
is it intelligence we didn't get at school, right? We got many different levels of intelligence, um, which essentially relates to awareness. And intelligence itself relates to applied knowledge. Yeah, so it's something that's very practical. So if you, um, you know, we, we all learned at school how to say read and write, and that was an intelligence that was developed that supported you in the practical functions of your day. Um, learn how to brush our teeth, right? We discover how important this is and we create a habit out of that and it, it supports us, yeah? So we have physical intelligence in many different ways and that extends to food and nutrition and exercise and all of this that we know is crucial to the balance of our lives and, and happiness and so on. And more recently, there has been the explosion, particularly in the corporate world and that type of thing of emotional intelligence that guess what? We have emotions, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you imagine that. And, um, you know, even though that seems so obvious, if you really look back at your education with your even home life as well as, and at school, there wasn't um, an awareness that there is these multitude of emotional subtleties that we're experiencing to be aware of that you are the awareness of that and it kind of goes down the track of modulation and management and regulation and that type of thing i don't really resonate fully with that uh just for myself but i see that it has a very important place for a lot of people to start becoming aware of that stuff and Intellectual intelligence, we've, we've we're way over, I mean, we've gone way there with that, you know, um, and you can see the results of that everywhere you look, essentially. Um, and so then there's self-intelligence, and this is the intelligence of who you are, okay? And this particular inquiry is extraordinarily basic and yet the most rarest conversation so if anyone was to say if, if anyone was to ask you directly like who are you like tell me who you are this if you if you can imagine that as i'm saying it like who are you there, there's a quite a oh an instant uncertainty can arise out of that right and then the next thought could maybe be my, you know, maybe my name or my, my roles. I'm a, I'm a mother, I'm a father, I'm a, I'm a student, I'm a, whatever the case is, or my career, I'm a doctor, I'm a this, I'm a that. But something doesn't feel really convincing about that, does it? When you, if you were to say it, it's like, oh, I don't think that's what I am. Because very quickly, there's a sense, well, all those things can leave and come and go. Like even your name, you can change your name. So your name's Christopher August, but is that who you are? It's like, well, no, I can change it, you see, or your your role can change. And then it comes down to all sorts of subtle things like your likes and dislikes. That's who I am. I know what I like and I know what I don't like. Um, my memories is who I am. Yeah, that's that's who I am. I know who I am by the fact of my past, you, you know. I know where I lived and I know my – I have all these experiences that I can replay over and tell everybody – to make sure I have a sense of self, if that if that makes sense, which makes no sense to someone, and this is, happens very rarely, who loses their memory completely from, say, a motorbike accident or something like that. And they're there, but their memories aren't there anymore. And it's like, well, 
you are here. <laughs> so who are you? <laughs> okay. And then, then, then we have things like our beliefs. Okay. And beliefs are defended so crazily, actually, insanely, because we can, we consider ourselves our beliefs. I'm my belief. Like when I was at church and that, you weren't just talking about a belief. You're talking about someone's sense of self when you're talking about that stuff. Star okay, Wars is, over beliefs. Oh, 100%. Why do we have wars over beliefs? Because it's me you're talking about, right? I'm defending myself. And then if you look over your life, you're like, well, shit, I don't, my beliefs have changed. You know, I think we've all believed in Santa Claus once upon a time. That doesn't exist anymore. Or we may have believed in this, that, and the other thing. And new experiences come and completely change our beliefs. It's like, no, not my beliefs either. And then you go further, like your emotions and emotions come and go. You cannot say which one you are because here they come, here they go. And we just keep going back and back and back and back to your thoughts, just in general, even intuition, all of these things. You happen to be the witness of all those things. You are this, this presence that is able to claim that all of these things exist even. And so, okay, what is this that is, that this is able to claim that all these things, things are existing? Okay, and it's, okay, now we're getting close to who you are, okay? So self-intelligence is everything that blocks the simplicity of that understanding. So... Because everybody, when they come back to themselves, anyone can do this right now, come back to that witnessing place. As soon as you allow that in, you come into your heart. What does that, what does that feel like? It feels like without any creation on your part, without any adding anything or without any changing anything going on in your life, there's a sense of being at peace. It's intrinsic and it's uncreated, yes? And it's not belief-based. You don't have to believe it. You just have to sit with it and it's there. Beliefs don't even matter to it. Does that make sense? So sometimes as a really quick hack, right, as a really quick hack, I say close your eyes and now close the eyes of awareness, Can you do it? Can you close the eyes that are aware? You see? And so then what that says is this awareness is there beyond the idea of myself. You see? So all these things get thrown up onto the screen of consciousness, of this awareness, which is our thoughts and our experiences and our sensations in our body and everything is getting thrown up and we become identified with these things. True? Yes. And a lot of the time we, come, we, we get identified with what we believe will make us happy. Okay? So, for example, if, if I can get love and approval... From others, I'll be happy. We experience this a lot in relationships, in family, and all these things, yes? And then that becomes its own identity, That's and then that, that becomes a sense of a person inside. True? 
So when you close your eyes, also, you can also sense there's a person in there. Isn't there? There's like, there's a, there's Christopher's in there or whoever's listening is like, sense the person that life rubs up against that's inside you. Yeah. So if someone was to shout abuse at you, it would hit this person. This is not hitting your body. <laughs> your body doesn't know it. It has no issue with this. Okay. If the person's shouting at you, then it's about me. If it's just shouting, if they were shouting abuse at the sky, then it's got nothing to do with you. So you don't take it on. Okay. So who is it rubbing up against? Okay. Get a sense of that. That's called, that's the ego. That's the part that says, this is all about me. This life is personal. Someone gives me a compliment. Oh, that was about me. Someone yells at me. That was about me. It was all about me, right? This is this me show. Okay. That's the ego side of it. And the ego is terrified, but is in complete denial of that. <laughs> so it's in a, it, it's, it's afraid because one, it's not real. It doesn't, it's not a real true um, reality because it's in constant change. So you can feel confident one moment. Someone could say a comment, boom, you're not confident the next moment. That quick. That's how, that's how unstable the ego is, just like that. Who can relate to that, right? You can even get a thousand positive com compliments. One person says one negative thing about you and the whole thing comes falling down, right? So very unstable. Yes, a very unstable way to be. So what's self-intelligence? Self-intelligence is about becoming aware of all that which is not you that you have become identified with that creates suffering in your life. So you've become identified with this thought and that belief and that past history and that thought da, 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 and that experience and now you've made that you and now you're very unstable and that instability is causing this issue in relationships, this issue at work, this problem in your finances, da, 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 da. this is where it practically manifests all over the place, right? This unresolved trauma, this da-da-da, all of it comes back to this false sense of self that sits inside pretending to be you, okay? Defending itself and propping itself up and proving itself. Social media is an is a, is a ego-proving, self-fulfilling prophecy. It's just like judgment fest right the ego loves judgment loves it right so what, what where can i go yes i can i can argue against that and i can agree with that and i can argue that and agree with that and i could be right about this and da da da, da and it's like prop 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 why does it need propping because it's so unstable something that is unstable needs to be propped up all the time okay so self-intelligence is the acute awareness of all those things that we employ to prop ourselves up to get stable to feel safe it's a very actual innocent thing to do it's not like a it's not a wrong thing it's, it's very innocent it's just not true <laughs> right and then employing every time you notice that you're doing that you're taking responsibility for what you're noticing and you're employing certain practices as a habit that is now the habit of not continuing down that delusional path and actually going where stability actually is, which is yourself, which is that which is aware of all of this. And it is uns it is stable and you don't even create the stability of that. It's already uh, intrinsically stable. 
that's who you are. Okay, so we all seem to get tangled in all sorts of knots and messes and there's a way out of all of that if we're prepared to let go. So the tagline for self-intelligence could be the art of letting go of that which creates suffering, you know. But it's a little bit of a shock when it's realized, oh, it's me that I'm letting go of, <laughs> you know, this, this, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Don't I get to keep me and then let go of whatever's causing me suffering? No, you're the one. You are you are it. You're the fallacy. You're the one mis you know, it's like the mask is taken over the the whole thing. So that I feel is uh yes, an introduction to what self-intelligence is and 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 we certainly weren't taught at school to realize all of what we're teaching you is transient. All of what we're saying right now is relative in this moment and totally fine to be relative in this moment. But beyond all of this is you and you are the most important factor in all of this. That was not what we taught at school. What we taught at school is believe what we're saying to you is a fact. <laughs> you see, that's it. Just believe this, believe this, believe this, believe this like this, right? All of it, right? And 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 that's it. That comes to though. That is the same. I have experienced the same thing in every orifice of life. It hasn't mattered what the section is. I have found the most entrenched beliefs in the you know new age movement, spirituality, plant medicine areas, obviously religion to science to all of these things have the same challenge where the egoic nature tries to take ownership and create some stability out of it and grab onto it and clutch onto it for dear life and go this is it this is the truth and it's like no you're the truth you're the truth you are the truth mistaking something out here whatever you want to call it you see and what i'm saying is experienced for yourself so it's not something that you can um it's not something you you you'll know for yourself directly and instantaneously. It is not based in that belief. That's what's so important, and that's what's here. That's what's here because humanity is so saturated with information. There's this. It used to be a lot slower. You see, information used to be a lot slower. So you could get a little bit of stability in the slow pace of that information because it seemed a bit more stable, right? Where that is happening at such a rapid rate now, there's so much anxiety happening inside because you know deeply there's nothing that you can grab onto that's actually real anymore. It's like, well, chat GPT saying this today, I don't know what it's going to say tomorrow. What do I know is real, you see? Like, how can I define that anymore? And the major events of that that have recently taken place, like the pandemic and, and so forth, have also just proven to create more of that. Very unstable. Humanity is in a deep, deep instability. The mental health of the planet is hanging on by a thread in the fact of that's not where it's going to come from anymore. So... <clears throat> yeah love it there's i mean gold in 
all of everything that you just said there. And I think there's a perfect opportunity in this conversation right now based on everything you sort of revealed around self-intelligence, which again, why I wanted to talk about that is because it was a beautiful uh, preface to what we are going to discuss even deeper now and getting into the point of integration. But before we even do that, it's like, let's set up the, the, this, this conversation around why do people seek peak experiences? And, and mm-hmm. one of those really important points of everything we're really talking about here is that because we have been conditioned and programmed into these certain belief systems, into these certain doctrines of thought, into the labels and boxes we find ourselves in, we naturally, as seekers, as we begin to wake up, we want to seek these peak experiences where we can sort of demolish all of that and unlearn that. And it's almost like a uh, evolutionary trigger that happens on a soul level to bring us into these places where we want to explore. And we have this, this deep curiosity uh, for what is truth. If, if I am not all of these things, then what is truth? So what do we do? We seek uh, breath work. We seek plant medicine. We seek all of these different experiences, immersions and retreats and, you know, We're going to go into all these different modalities, but we seek all of these things because we want to know inherently what that truth potentially is. And once you go down this path, you keep unfolding and you're receiving a lot of extrasensory information beyond just the, you know, intellect, beyond just the information flooding our minds. But when we go into deep experiences, we have you know, somatic releases and we have these direct experiences. And then oftentimes after we have left these experiences have gone on, what do we do with all of this that we just received? What is it that we actually do and how do we implement this in an actionable, practical, grounded way in our lives? So just want to leave it there and we can carry on, but I just wanted to set that up. (laughs) <laughs> you set it up <laughs> brilliantly i mean that's i could only really echo what you've just said i i certainly knew for myself uh there was when i was coming out of the christianity piece it was very it was a quite a destructive process in a in a way uh that this same impulse that you spoke about was pulling me so it was more like alcohol and you know, party drugs and those types of experiences because the conscious version of, uh, you know, the plant medicine with the ceremonies that have that intentional nature to to come into a place of deep reverence and honoring and sacredness with life, well, that's not really in our culture. So it was like, how, how do I break out of these things it's like ecstasy and, you know, cocaine and all these types of things and, Fortunately, uh, even with, say, MDMA, and that's coming in um, as a healing modality more and more, um, it's kind of the flavor coming back through down the pipeline, as I like to call it. Um, I did, even in those, even at raves and, and different things, dancing on my own. I remember dancing on my own for hours and hours and hours, and I'd just be sitting in this place of awareness in myself. I wasn't conscious that that's what was happening. But what I would do is it was a big party, da-da-da, and I'd just go off on my own 
which is also very symbolic because in a lot of initiation processes, there's a alone time, right, where you're alone with your own thoughts, where you're not distracted, you know, this type of thing. I'd go off my own and just dance for hours, but I'd be, it'd be like I was, I was watching the movement and I was not moving. I was the non-moving in the movement. I was the I was the I was the silence in all the sound, you know, the sound of the music, sound of people, all of this. And there was this knowingness even there, and that's what I love about consciousness. It, it doesn't have any preference or judgments or ideas about how it's going to show itself and reveal itself. It's just any any moment is 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 um, possibly auspicious, yeah, right to to that and I did experience a lot of the consequences though of those you know like toxicity and hangovers and you know different things like this that sort of felt to rip it off a little bit and then from there it went to like okay well all of that's possible it must be possible within myself somehow not in this kind of like in that way and that's when I I went into and was so deeply drawn to meditation. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about meditation. I didn't know anything about it. Like, in fact, my conditioning said that meditation was evil and, you know, it was worshipping the wrong gods and, you know, this whole thing. But I was so drawn. And in meditation, I had the same things happen, but this time it was like there was a deep degree of responsibility within myself. Yeah, it was like I wasn't having just something taken away from me and like this or put in a certain state. I was actually taking full ownership of just stepping back from all that that was going on in my mind that I'd normally become so attached to and seduced by. And, and just come back to my body or come back to my breath or whatever the teaching was at the time. And I had some very, like, peak experiences just in the basics of that where a whole sense of dissolving and just, oh, just pure clarity, you know, not about anything in particular, just about my nature, but about, oh, this is the deeper sense of myself and just marinating in that for however long and noticing that doing that, my day would flow better. Like something was like the wind was in my sails. Like I wasn't up against life in the same way. It was like, oh, there's an ease, but for no reason. Like life's the same, people doing the same things, like work's the same, all of that, but I'm not experiencing all that the way I did before. Mm. And so that, that, that really developed a hunger, if you like, and, and actually probably more accurately, like a vacuum into more and more of that. And so led into other um, experiences over time. Um, I, I find that each time that I go deep in, it's like I get out of the way, like the cup is emptied and then this creativity comes. You may have experienced this yourself or, or those viewing. Like It's like once you empty, almost like the universe's consciousness and creativity, which is everything, is now able to come out like this, right? Be 
birthed. And what I also noticed with that was it would come out to be birthed and then, and then I could also get attached to it as like another identity, you see, you know, and then f- fear of losing it and, and all of that would come with that too, right? So it would then only create another po- another opportunity to come back to myself and I, and if I've ever become really attached to something or really identified with something, then a certain plant medicine maybe might call me in, you know, Hey, Hey, come have a, come have a walk. You've, you've forgotten yourself. <laughs> you, you, you've made this about you, the, the, the you that is not who you are. You, you've started to um, take ownership of something you never created. You see, this is not yours. So come, come for a walk. We're, we're going to help you purge that out or like give it some space or purify the that that that, that's going on within you so i've been uh, so chuffed like so just in such gratitude that that whatever wherever we're at the medicine is there to meet you to bring the heart back to it and not this fearful expectational conditional controlling manipulative state that is the the ego self that can so quickly take residence again with whatever it is so just that that's me in in a way echoing what you're saying is that there's that deep yearning and curiosity is the word that curiosity is like intuition and curiosity is the same thing to me it's like the inner tutor is saying go there go there. And something else is saying, no, don't go there. I don't want to do that. <laughs> like That feels uncomfortable or that feels like, that feels like something's going to change. You know, <laughs> if I go there, something's going to change. And I, I think I can, I think I'm good. I'm good with this. What I've got, I can, I can control this, you know? Um, and you were sharing with me your own experiences around that or being called in recently yourself around some of that. Yep. And <laughs> going through the the integration of that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I feel like there's this, and there's a couple things here, which is really important to state. And I appreciate you sharing your personal experience, right? And um, perhaps I'll share a little bit of mine, even though some of the listeners may have heard some of the stories, but, you know, there seems to be, at least within myself, this deep, unquenchable thirst that I find myself in where it is more of a curiosity in the sense of, of really just wanting to know more and un, unpacking, revealing, and just stripping away the layers that might be in the way of the depths of truth that lie within. And so where this has found me, it's I've found myself in in the middle of the Amazon jungle in a Maloka sipping ayahuasca. I found myself in a dark room sitting there for five days. I found myself in, uh, you know, deep breathwork experiences, something I love to practice and facilitate. I found myself in, you know, in, in just recently working with combo, right? So all of these things, especially when done with intention and it doesn't have to be plant mess. It could be a simple retreat or an immersion that you're called to sitting in nature on a vision quest, whatever that is, you know, there's a full gamut here that we're speaking to, but one of the biggest issues that 
I find, and I know that you find and why we're having this conversation is that it's all well and fine to have these different experiences. Now I will say there is a lot of irresponsibility that is happening on the, on the point of both parties of the practitioner in the sense of I've seen, you know, these people offering a a buffet of plant medicines of bufo combo mushrooms, ayahuasca and everything in, in two days, you know, it's (laughs) like, you really want to like, come on, like this is, this is too much. You really want to disassociate and rip apart people's psyches and traumatize people. It's probably a good way to do it. So there's irresponsibility there. And then also on our own parts in the sense that we're not taking time to actually whatever experiences we are having, taking the time to sit with them and see how these experiences can be directly applied to our everyday life, to our relationships, to our work, to our every facet, and more importantly, to our own sense of self. And that's where the integration piece is often missed, you know, and and something I feel really uh, passionate about and called to bring up is, you know, just being in multiple different spaces of growth and transformation as a participant and a facilitator. What I often see, and especially in a lot of even these men's spaces, there's a lot of men's work happening. Amazing, huge proponent. Um, Part of why this podcast exists is mostly why, but the, the problem that I see is that after like, for example, these men go on a three, four day experience. They have this deep sense of community and camaraderie with other brothers. They're healing some really deep wounds. They're letting go of, of some shame and guilt and some trauma that has been stored within them for years And then they come out of it and they come back to their daily life. They go back to their relationships. They go back to their work. And within a week, they're depressed again and they're back in the same state they found themselves. And so this is why this conversation of integration is important. So I'll turn that over to you now. Why? And I guess maybe talk a little bit about your work in this space of integration of why this is so important. And I think we already know why, but more so how people can begin to really um, take what they've gained from these experiences and apply it to their life in a practical and, and constructive way. Well, yeah, the how is everything. So when, when someone says this word integration, it, it's important to integrate. I don't know anyone that would say that that's not important. How often is that the clear how described and taught in an intelligent way? Remember, intelligence means applied understanding. Applied, practical, yeah? So it's, you, you could say, for example, you know, it's important to sit with yourself and reflect on these things. And it's like, what is that actually, how does that actually look? Like, what are you talking about? It, it, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, I get you, man. So I'll go back to my job now and do whatever, like, what are you talking about, right? So I, I'm massive on practicality and massive on this, like, okay, so let's get in, let's get into what that means. There's, there's different ways to do this. They'll all do that. They'll all essentially lead to the same place. So self-intelligence is what I've actually discovered for myself and many others now that I'm teaching and run a community around and everything like that benefit from as, as in, as a practical integration. So, Firstly, I have what's called self-recognition practices. So self-recognition practices are like guided meditations, if you like. You could compare it to that in a way. But what they do is they ask certain questions and point you back to who you are beyond 
all that you mistake yourself to be in a in a quite a short space of time, say 15 to 20 minutes or even 10 minutes. And it's a remembrance process that you do every day. Okay? Because whatever's going on in your life, the habit is to identify with the form that life takes, not remember who you are, which is the formless. Does that make sense? And in doing that, you you stop uh, mistaking yourself as the false form that the ego has taken and remember yourself as the awareness. And what happens there is life is able to flow in a much more easeful way than when it's rubbing up against this person that's inside. Does that make sense? So the So the experiencer experiences that as ease in their life. Okay, they'll just say, I feel ease. I feel okay with reality. And I feel like I can handle whatever happens. If I injure myself or someone gets sick or this thing comes up or whatever, it's like I have this capacity to handle all of that now. Whereas before, I'm in resistance, I'm angry, I'm getting sad or depressed or the things you're talking about. Then I'm going to addictive uh, tendencies to try to um, deal with that stuff right? Because I feel so uncomfortable. Okay. So it's like, this is, this is one aspect. So, and it's a short process. So I, I, I advise anyone to do this day and night, you know, morning and night type thing, self-recognition practice, come home to yourself, remember, then, then go about the activities of the day. In that remembrance, it's so clear. Like, it's just, oh, how could you forget? Like, okay. Then, then I have what's called, its, its name has just recently changed. It was called trigger inquiry, okay? Trigger inquiry. So life's going to come in and trigger you, right? We can all relate to being triggered. I'm actually going to call it just simply self-inquiry, but I'll ex- maybe explain that later. But for now, for ease of understanding, we'll just call it trigger inquiry. So you've got that sense of self. Now life is going to come and test you, okay? So as soon as you go to work, you're going to get that person that you don't like or you've got issues with or whatever the thing is or your partner's going to guilt you into something or some relationship challenge is going to come up and it's going to trigger you. And what is it triggering? It's triggering your false self. And now with that, you learn. Initially, it takes a bit of work. You learn a set sequence of questions, okay? And these are intelligent questions, Because the questions we ask when life triggers us are not intelligent questions. They are, I will say as abruptly as I can, they are stupid questions. Why? Because they lead to suffering every time. You will lose every time. For example, something happens to you. Why does this happen to me? That's a stupid question, if you like. Now, I don't say, I'm not saying stupid as in you're stupid. I'm just saying as in, we haven't been taught this stuff, right? So it's going to lead to suffering. It's going to lead to pain, okay? So uh, it's it's not something to take on as like shame or guilt or there's something wrong with me. I shouldn't be asking these questions. We haven't been taught. So a question will come and then you actually learn the question that will take you out of that. So the first thing is to realize there's a situation and a situation is nothing until I make it something. True? 
Okay, because everybody can agree, we a hundred of us could experience the same reality, but we will we will have a hundred worlds, and the, the hundred worlds that experience that same reality was the, the what I perceived it to mean. Okay, what happened? Yes. So some people indifferent about it, other people shocked and alarmed, other people happy, like totally different perspectives. Okay, so situation, okay, there's situ- there's reality that's there, that's happening all the time that has nothing to do with me. That's the first basis, okay? That's the situation. Then the next question is what is the problem? All right, what is the problem? Because you're triggered by it, so you've made it a problem. This situation, that is not a problem. Nothing is a problem. That's a big one to actually come to understanding about, okay? But nothing is a problem, and then you make it a problem. And you make it a problem in very uh, very uh, predictable thoughts, okay? So this situation should or shouldn't be happening. Now I can track my should. Okay, I've got a should thought. That's what's that's what's here. That's part of the problem. There's a should thought. The other thought is what if? Okay? How many times do you go around your day and notice that there are what if thoughts? And then think that what if thought is unique to me, like it's my special what if thoughts. I like, know everybody has these what if thoughts, right? Everybody has these should thoughts. Another thought would be Need. I need. There'll be need thoughts. And then with those, say those basics, and there's all sorts of limiting beliefs you'll also pick up. There is what does this mean? What does this mean? And then you've then you can go, oh, okay, so when this happens, what happens is my mind flashes up on the screen of consciousness. This means this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And essentially what I've discovered is I'm going to lose something. All right. So I've got a whole table of fears. Okay. Massive table of fears. There's, I think there's probably over 40 of them, right? Nuances of fear, fear of failure, fear of caring about what other people think, fear of being abandoned, fear of being humiliated, fear. And it just goes on and on and on like this, right? But what I've discovered, and they're important to pick up the nuances, okay, because you, you've got to become the awareness of it. Because if you're not aware of it, you are it. You're now, you're now the thing. It will dictate your behavior. Just like if you're afraid of humiliation, okay? If that is you, when you go to public speak, you are going to embody the terror of being humiliated. It's going to be all through your body. You're going to be feeling it. You can maybe even vomit. It could be that strong, that thought, you see. So all behind all of it, I've noticed the fear of loss is there, whether it's humiliation or any of the other, these other fears, there's the fear of loss, okay? So what is it going to mean? I'm going to lose respect. I'm going to lose love. I'm going to lose approval. I'm going to lose control. I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose that, Yes. So very quickly when that thought happens, you're tracking to the fear of loss. And now you're taking that to some very basic questions. Very basic questions that essentially allow you to let go of what you've held on to. 
yes? What you're suffering. Because what someone who learns self-intelligence comes to full recognition of, and I mean full recognition, it takes a while to get to this recognition, is I'm only ever suffering a thought. Now, I can say that right now, and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it would be taken at a level of interest or whatever the case is, but that can take a while to digest. And once that's understood, I'm only ever suffering a thought, then there's there's the preparedness to take responsibility for that, which is if I'm suffering a thought, then I can let it go because when a thought comes, we are grabbing onto it and believing it. Yeah, making it our own. We're making it true. Yeah. Right. And then, and then, so one of the questions, it's just a very basic question. And Byron Katie is very much runs this question is, is it true? Okay. Now you can imagine I've come out of fundamentalist Christianity, right? So I know that thoughts aren't true. <laughs> I know that beliefs aren't true, but there are many beliefs and thoughts I've had that I've tucked away like as if they're exclusive, right? They're, ex- they're in the exclusive pile. They don't get to be challenged. These thoughts are real, you see, and life will just keep going. Well, okay, whilst you want to hold on to those, we're going to, take, we're going to challenge you, trigger you to offer them back up, to give them over. They're not yours. They're not true either, Okay. So then, yes, I run you through it. There's a line of questions. So in the in the community, as an integration, and we call these integration sessions, the community come together and they will share or offer up, as we like to say, offer up the person, offer up these thoughts and have those thoughts be witnessed. And there's something in witnessing and being witnessed. How, how important, I mean, isn't men's groups, for example, so much about just being witnessed? Right, you find the mirror, (laughs) you see the mirror in somebody else, and boom! Yes, it's like just that is enough to let go and surrender what it is that you've been carrying. Yes, yes, and and so these imagine your because 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 these these things that we hold, like, and I mean, we hold on to them for dear life, like literally, because the ego is is based on them, right? So they they are in the secrecy area of us there's three different aspects that we share with the world we have our secret life we have our private life and then we have our public life okay and our secret life we don't even share with our people in our private life so like you can live with someone your partner or whatever and you can have all these problems and challenges going on and you're like i'm not letting you find out my secret life I mean, as a practitioner, I work with thousands of clients and they'll tell me, I've never told anyone this, right? It's like, oh, well, you've got a partner of, what, 10 years and they don't know about it? Oh, no, no, I've never told anyone this. It's a secret life. We've got a secret life, okay? The secret life is the hell, is the damaging aspect because it's protecting an illusion. It's not a reality, but it's made a reality by kept in this secret so that's why we have sharing circles and we have, we have this opportunity in a safe space, meaning a conscious space that doesn't have judgment and all that, to let the secret life out so you can be cleaned of this impurity that is not you. 
And all of a sudden you don't feel like ashamed and guilty. You feel like powerful, don't you? When you let your secret life, you're like, oh, I'm so relieved. I'm holding on to that nonsense for so long. And clearly every experience of life is trying to tease it out of me, triggers, right? Trigger this secret out of me, you see. And we are offering that up. That's our practical integration, you see. And I want to jump in really quick there because that's a very key point for everybody listening right now. What Chris just shared is something that I have often found in peak experiences, like we were talking about before, you get to a point in which you're confronted with truth. And perhaps it's even those secrets that you've been denying that you've been holding on to. And at, at times you're brought into the core of that. And so the part of this integration experience that Chris is speaking to is really important is offering that back up and having other people be the witness to that. And so through that, you've completed sort of the, the, the healing or the transmutation of all of that energy you've been carrying within yourself. And so that's the great thing with the peak experience. Oftentimes you get to the core, you go in and then it's your opportunity to then share that and to bring that out to whoever is around as a witness. So I just wanted to, to mention that. Yeah. And thank you for mentioning that. And I've had so many comments because a lot of people that are in our community, the self-intelligence community, they will say, this is so different to what I've experienced in other sharing circles where it was like we were sharing experiences and we we're sharing kind of like our lives or sharing like things. But in this, I, I actually have changed it. I don't call it sharing. I call it Offering up the personal self. Okay, so so now you are offering up right now. You're not you're not going into story in the way that it's like the person talking about a story. Because when someone's sharing, I'll often say, is the person sharing or is the witness sharing? Because I have no interest in the person. Because you're here to offer the person up. And they can offer the person up as they're speaking. They're like, yeah, I really want to say this, but I feel, I feel awkward about that or I feel, I, uh, I feel like I, I'm going to get shut down or this is going to happen or that. And it's like now we're being real. Now we're having a truthful conversation, right? Now truth is here because truth is the witness of what's happening. There is no truth out there. You know, like a thought or a perception or an idea or an opinion. None of this is truth. None of this is truth as in like ultimate truth. There can be relative truth in those things. And that's maybe a whole nother conversation. There's a lot of confusion about ultimate truth and relative truth and how all that plays. Um, you know, my truth. If you really understand ultimate truth, you know, there's no such thing as my truth. Okay, there's, that doesn't really that doesn't exist. There, there may be things that you resonate with and that you feel strongly about, or da 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 da, and that's fine, and that's actually important. It, but it's not a truth in of itself because it will change. It's in the changing realm, and the changing realm is not truth. Truth, okay. The truth truth is in the unchanging. Okay, which is who you actually are. You cannot, you cannot know truth. You can only be it as you are. It's, this is the difference. But we're so mentally oriented, it, it's, it's hard to discern that, right? Okay, so the practical, going back to integration. 
Another thing that I offer for integration, this is a weekly thing, is awareness practices. And those awareness practices speak directly to what any medicine is offering. So I'll do an awareness practice every single week for the group. It'd be one one week would be on judgment. In fact, we did a whole month on judgment. We did three different nuances of judgment, judgment towards self, judgment towards others, caring about what other people think. And <laughs> right in terms of, yeah, and it was just was like, this massive judgment awareness process, okay? Uh, there'll be awareness practices around, recently we did around surrender and we did around devotion and all these things. And it's like, how does the person inside rub up against these awarenesses? And then that's what you become aware of. And it's like, oh, wow, I was holding on to that. And there's this there's this common theme that if you get an awareness practice that you feel is like, no, nah, it's not really for me. That's like, don't really vibe with that too much and da, da, that's the one that's going to really kick you know that's the one that's going to be like got so much in store for you and the group is so sincere about the practices that they like go wow like for example the simple awareness practice okay this simple awareness what i've noticed whether awareness is at the moment for for most of humanity is they're not even not aware that most of their behavior or actions or interactions have fear in it just the simplicity of that right and so fear can in fact be mistaken very quickly as love so for example i'm in my partner's business like i want them to you know, get fitter or do exercise or whatever because I love them. And it's like you're not aware that actually you're in their business because you're afraid if they don't, what's going to happen to you and what's going to be the consequence for you is like, but I don't want to be aware of that because that reveals how selfish I am and how self-absorbed I am. It's like, yes, that's the point of what we're doing here. Now, a peak experience, right, a peak experience removes all of that stuff for you. It's not like you have to become aware. It's like it just removes it. And now you know who you are beyond when all of that was there. And you will notice with any kind of like like every experience you spoke about is I felt so connected. I felt so loving. I felt like all of this expandedness, no one else had done anything different. They didn't change. Nothing happened. Only I changed and I felt all those things, yes? So how do I remove what comes in and blocks that state. That awareness practice I'm talking about that we do every single week. The questions that you know to ask when you've invested in delusion. What is the question that's going to remove that? Because the quest comes in and goes, oh, I see you. Because for a second I couldn't see you and I became you because I couldn't see you. This is another one, Christopher, that, you, that, that you'll understand is so often people are told, let go, just let go of this and let go of that, right? Letting, letting go is a big word that gets used. In the same way as integration is like, well, but, but wait, how do I let go? I, I know I want to let go, but how do I let go? The simplicity of letting go and integration is the, uh, the ability to see, to be the seer of that which you've become identified with. As soon as you become the seer, you're not now it, so you've it, it's got space. 
And then, then if you marinate in the seeing, it just goes away. It drops away. You didn't let it go. You actually found yourself and it now moves on. But when you're not the seer, the seer energy uses the will to hold it into a shape. And that's me. I'm the shape of this. And I used to teach, which I still do, will and do, um, emotional anatomy. Okay, Emotional anatomy was the shape that you've taken inside as the person, right, which is all those perceptions and beliefs and emotions and everything that you hold together, not as the seer, but as me, manifests as your physical shape. It manifests as your posture. It manifests in your face, in your skin color, in the brightness of your eyes, in every orifice of your body expression is expressing the shape you take on internally, right? It's a character structure. That's how actors know to take on the shape of the person inside and they express it physically. And then you can relate to the shape of the person they're taking. Does that make sense? So what we are discovering is, oh, I wasn't there just to have a temporary experience and then to go back to the shape I was in, right? What are the processes that specifically actually continually let me drop this shape to be love and truth that I am, which is what I am without creating anything? And it has no shape. If you come back to that awareness place, if you if you close your eyes and and notice that you are aware of your body and you are aware of the thoughts in your mind and you are aware of my voice as I'm speaking and you are even aware of the person and the and the sense of the person inside it is very then instantly recognized if you look at it that which is aware does it have a shape Is it a person? That which is aware of the thought that you're having right now, is that awareness itself, does it have a start and finish? Can you say it has a start and finish? Does it have belief or does it need belief? Instantly it's experienced, yes? And do you notice the moment that you give that a little bit of attention, you already start to feel at ease without doing a thing. It's already intrinsic to your nature. It's like a grace sets in. Yeah, instant. So whenever you do breath work, you, you quickly come to this, don't you? With you can come to that within a few minutes. Well exactly. practiced, seasoned breath breath work, you know, practices, you can come very quickly to that state. That's why right. I love it so much. And so why do we keep picking up other states? Why do we keep picking up other states? Because we don't integrate these. We don't integrate this understanding. With oh, okay, it's up to me now to take full responsibility for any time I take shape to 
come out of that, to be the seer, be, to remember who I am, you see. Now, that's a moment-to-moment thing, but there are, there are like I say, I come together weekly with people and we do this all together because I used to be, I used to do one-on-one therapy with people and for a long time. And I was like, this, what I'm teaching now, this can be done with a lot of people who are willing to really look at these things clearly, you see. If they're willing to do that, they're going to get even more benefit because they're taking even a greater degree of responsibility, you see. And so now huge shifts are happening for people in the group that were uh, essentially holding on to character structures, scripts that were suffering-based, right, that were so restrictive to their nature, that were just so closed down and narrow. Like it was like now I can actually oh, be free, like free to be myself, free to be the essence of myself because every individual that has been birthed into this form has a vibration pattern that that they naturally express from and have natural interests and inclinations and all of that that all get obscured and obstructed by everything we're being told we should be and shouldn't be and all of that. And but if you go down that track, you won't get the love and approval that you know you must get and da 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 and it goes on. So as you said, when that gets too entrenched and too restrictive, we often seek out peak experiences to kind of just come out of that for a second and get that clear air, you know, and go, oh, thank you. But who's willing to do the work after that, right, to to be the one, to be the remover of everything that clouds that? Uh, that's That takes a lot of sincerity, you see. And there are a lot of sincere people out there now who are fed up with suffering, their own thoughts, suffering from the inside, being molested, internally right because before that's realized it's everything out there is the cause of my problems everything out there if 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 uh this would happen and that would if people would only would believe what i believe then everyone would be happy and uh, like this is the arrogance of human beings but eventually there's like a point where you go just because i think life should be the way I think it should be. Is that going to ever make it show up the way I think it should? Like I might think it should be this way, but does that mean it's going to be that way? Yes or no? So am I then willing to let go of the idea that is causing that suffering? Yes or no? And it's like, but if I let go of that should or that shouldn't or that judgment, the world will go crazy. Like it will go out of control. It's like, no, 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 it won't. That's the ego talking. Because when you let go of all of that, the essence of love, the vibration of truth is now permeating everyone and every, everything around you. That, that is, tap. yeah. Ahead. Yeah. Well, that, that's the greatest influence. The greatest, the greatest influence on yourself and those around you is to be in the vibration of love and truth, not to be in the idea of what you think life should be in order for it to change because all that creates is polarity. It doesn't do any of that. You see. You know, one of the biggest things out of what you were just mentioning is that you're actually tapping in and actually connected to the intelligence of life 
which mm. has its own way of organizing things for the greatest good. Nature itself is that intelligence that also exists within us. And it's really at the end of the day, and just from sort of sharing my own personal journey with everything you're speaking to and certainly not mastered it, but continuously coming out to become that seer and actually looking at my life from that place of the observer and objective perspective is that you begin to have a deeper level of trust for yourself and for life. And the trust component is a part where I think most people, they struggle at where the reason we control so much is because we don't trust it. But when we actually trust it and have even just a very brief moment of trust, what happens as a, uh, as a ripple effect from that trust is very beautiful when you become and you can actually witness how life just divinely orchestrates itself for your greatest good. And it's like, it's really can be as easy as that. But of course, the mind structures and the ego get in the way and says, no, we need to control. We need to get tighter. More resistance comes in and all of that. It's like, no, let's fall back. Let's trust and allow life to do what it does. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and each, each time that you step up in a deeper expression of your natural nature, there will be more threatening challenges coming. So, so, so there's, there's, you know, every, every time I've stepped up more in, in what I teach or more in relationship, for example, the urge to control gets greater because it's another level of perception that I've lost control, you see. So, so in those moments to have the habit, the habit, so it's, it's like brushing your teeth. The moment that fear comes in, if you have the habit of how to be that witness and ex and precisely the questions to ask that give you space, right? Not as something spoken about like we're doing right now. This will not create the habit. What we're talking about now does not create the habit. The habit is created like a habit is created, like any other habit is created, right? <laughs> it takes time. You've got to work at it for it to become a habit. And once it becomes a habit, then it's a habit. You don't have to do anything with it. It's just what you do. Does that make sense? That's why I call it self-intelligence because there's something in the vibration of those words that says this is skill-based and habit-based because that's how every other intelligence has happened. Yes, but in the spiritual world and in these circles, it's better that we kind of get this like, even if someone was to hear this right now as we're speaking, it's like, oh, I feel so good about what they're saying. I resonate with what they're saying. You see, there's that. That can become another addiction that doesn't actually lead to coming out of suffering because it's it's not actually generating the habit, right? But why is that? Because the habit the habits are rarely ever presented, you know, um, in a way that a lot of people would resonate with or take up. Or there's just um, I, I would prefer just to keep things at the experience level and not actually the embodied everyday level, you know, where 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 when my husband leaves dishes in the in the thing that I have this habit that takes me out of the suffering of my expectations right in that moment and helps me deal with that in a way that doesn't keep generating the same problem. Oh, that's where it shows up in the basic ordinariness. 
You see, your life is not lived in the freaking stars like like this. This is like it's very practical. It's day to day. What do they say? Before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. Exactly. What's changed? Your how. Your how has transcended to from the vibration of fear and expectation and control to love and truth which leads to spontaneity and creativity and the ability to problem solve and the ability to listen, the ability to be radically honest and communicate. All of these things are, are superpowers available to you now. And I, I, I've just been, it's just been tremendous to see what's happening in the community with um, all sorts of different, you know, whatever their personal, you know, unique problems have been just melting away with um we we've come together weekly you know it's a it's a weekly practice and that to me is what integration is and and at the time that um there's such that habit is so deep and 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 it's just like there's a natural like well the purpose for that particular integration is no longer necessary anymore you you know what i mean it's like it's it's done it's it's clear so I haven't found the end of, of learning and growth, you know, in terms of that, but but certainly things that you've got going on in your life that are causing you challenges, which is so ordinary. They're so ordinary. You know, like, do you know what the distraction of peak experiences are? It takes you out of the ordinary. And it's like, no, no, no. If it's not integrated into the ordinary, it's it's a pointless distraction. It's a pointless distraction that you can keep talking about this thing that happened. You know, like I was on this medicine journey and oh, this thing came and da 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 da. And it's like, great, that's a dream you're talking about now. How is that affecting your day to day ordinariness of life? Mm. You see? And precisely why people continue to have the more virus of chasing more because there yeah. isn't the work that's done after, which is what we've been speaking about in this conversation today, which is the integration piece. It's like we can constantly want to fill ourselves up with more and more and more and more experiences. But at the end of the day, what experience, what good are those experiences doing if you're actually not fully taking those in and taking responsibility and integrating them into your everyday life. And like we've said, becoming the embodiment of what it is that you've experienced. And you, when <laughs> you just, as you said something there, man, like some, this, there's this SAS soldier who said, what makes us the SA now, if you, that's a, like a special forces, right? Um, what makes us the SAS or, you know, the best, people in this field is that we do the basics the best not that we do all these special things the best right which you might think like the special forces they must do different things they must you know employ different techniques and da 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 it's like no no no. he said we do the basics the best and i just love what i heard there because it resonates so true and it's not in a competitive way like who does what the best i'm not don't get distracted by that term the best what 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 is to be looked at here is are you prepared to truly master the simple processes that embody this which is that integration right or does it get difficult 
does it get uncomfortable where the responsibility meets you in the simplicity and then it's like, no, I want another experience. I'm seeking experience. I'm seeking experience. And it's like, if you're, a, if you're an experience seeker, you won't, you won't have integration because who you are is not an experience. True or not? Right. So if, if you have to experience yourself as an experience, you will always be in the future or you will be in the past. You'll be talking about yourself as the experience in the past when you had this amazing journey or you'll be talking about your future when I'm going to experience me coming. But where is that happening now? Is this now or not, you see? And and that's what... Um, I, I hear when I heard that special forces person say, we do the basics the best. We are so disciplined to what we have been, what we know to generate that result, you see. And those who are sincere with that, their egos, their, their, their ego stories that are painful and that keep generating destructiveness in their life and addiction in their life and keep attracting you know, toxic relationships and challenges, this thing and gone, you see. Um, and there's lots of terms here we're using that can be really misunderstood as well, like ego. That that term is, I, I use that term as in identif- the, the part of you that identifies yourself as something and, and that's not who you essentially are. That's what I mean when I use the word ego. The ego itself is like going in defense mode. Like the poor ego is getting so much flack in the spiritual world. It's like, well, who is this ego we're talking about? Ego is an illusion. We're not talking about a person. It's not a person. And, and uh, yeah, so it's, it, these terms, it, that's what self-intelligence is for as well, is to get actually clear on what these words are pointing to in a way that's relevant to you in a practical sense, not in a conceptual sense, but a practical sense. Yeah. Because this work loves to get turned into a concept because if it gets turned into a concept, it doesn't become real, you see. It, it's too challenging for it to be real. It's like I don't want to deal with the end of this delusion. I just want to have nice concepts, yeah. So, I mean, clearly we could go on and on and on, but I think the the essence here is that anyone who is listening to this who is sincere in their heart um, is fed up with suffering and molesting themselves from the inside out that they can access and there are ways to embody in a habitual sense, in a skillful sense, in a masterful sense that will be shown and proven in the ordinariness of your everyday life. And if it's not showing up there, that it's the work hasn't been done. There's just the ego enjoying experiences and leaving it like that. Mm. Yeah, there's this, this entire conversation was extremely uh, enlightening in many facets. And I feel like what was brought to the table today and, you know, to the listeners, anybody listening to this, hopefully you received some valuable insights and, yeah, information here that you can really take and use. Uh, even some of the questions that Chris was sharing, I think is really powerful. And everything is all about asking the right questions. You know, as somebody that is also a guide and a coach, like one of the things that 
you know, is part of my role, so to say, is to really listen deeply to what the person is saying and then mirror back and ask the right question to get them to the point of truth and wisdom that's within themselves. And so that's why these questions, and you can even scroll back through this podcast and go to these markers where these questions are being asked. So um, again, so much more to be discussed here, but really just to wrap it up, um, you know, people right now might be wanting to further this journey. So if you could refer them to perhaps your community, where can people find you and, and get more information on what you're doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm currently opening up uh, the community. There's a whole backend process happening at the moment for that to be more accessible at the, at this point um, to access the communities to do the self-intelligence course. Um, which happens a few times a year. Um, a date will be coming up soon for that. And once you've done the course, then you are essentially um, initiated, if you like, or just you you, you understand what we're what we're here to do. Um, then the, the access is there for the community. But I've only just recently making changes. Um, my heart has has just been drawn to make everything so much more accessible um, for people to have to come in wherever they want to come in. And so I'm right in the, right in the literally as we speak um, in the process of doing that. So if you want information about what's happening uh, is to stay in tune um, with say uh, my mail out. So um, my website is selfintelligence.com. And so you go there and um, sign up and you'll get all the information about what's coming up. I've got Facebook and Instagram, self intelligence, and um, every every yeah, I keep everyone everyone up to date in those normal you know those usual platforms that that we uh, communicate with, and the the community uh, side of things is is set to become more readily accessible for anyone at any point in time. So yeah, yeah. start getting on with those awareness practices. We do self-recognition every week together. We have a radically honest sharing. We have uh, just the interaction with the um, trigger inquiry process. Uh, I I did mention various other processes as well. Like we have a breath work process for certain situations when you get very caught in, uh, hooked into certain things and um, emotional release processes for um, that stuff as well. So, there's a few different aspects that essentially cover any moment that you've lost yourself basically. (laughs) And it's like, I can see that that's happened and I have a a way to come home. Yeah. And, and so yes, it's uh, selfintelligence.com would be a place to start at this point. Beautiful. And there also, I've got the self-intelligence podcast as well. Um, so if you go onto Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, that or even YouTube, um, uh, self intelligence podcast. Um, if anyone resonates with my particular style of of looking at this stuff, you can go on there. And um, I have live sessions on on the podcast where I walk people through what we've talked about in in a live session, which is just profound that people are willing to offer up their the secret self in a public forum. I mean, that's just 
tremendous, right? But that's where we're at in humanity. It's like let, this secret force of destruction has to be exposed, right? We've got to, someone's got to offer it up. Otherwise, it's just going to keep going and perpetuating. Um, and I have radically honest conversations with um, leaders like yourself and we just start, sort of unpack things and um, you get more of a sense of the work and, and what's involved. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Well, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it's been a really uh, incredible conversation and really something that I hope everybody who's listening finds value in. And um, as you can go, go look up Chris and find some of his work and uh, yeah, brother, I appreciate you until the next time. Yeah. appreciate you too. Thank you so much for letting me yeah, express this, this, this work and, and your generosity and commitment. Um, to all the amazing gifts that you're offering the world as well. Yeah. Blessing.